Welcome to the Discomfort by Design podcast, where we showcase people who chase discomfort, live life on the fringe, and pursue high adventure. We bring you the stories that inspire you to go find out. Now here's your host, Taylor Quick. Uh, what's happening, brother? Not much. Just uh, sitting around the house today, fleshing out some ideas for the new business, and uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, left the left my old job about six months ago and got on with uh, Casey at Tacticalories. Um, that was awesome. The economy putting us on the road like that probably wasn't the best move at the time, but um, in the meantime, I started my own business, Ellsworth Cooks, and that seems to be uh, getting off the ground pretty a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So lined up, uh, I think I've done five cooks already, and I got a bunch lined up already. So it's it's all happening well, way faster than I thought it was going to happen for sure. So yeah, life is weird. Yeah, man, no kidding. So that's um, that's awesome, brother. So this is Jason Ellsworth, who I am with right now. Um, guy that I've gotten to know a little bit over the last few months, uh, as he mentioned before, Casey Bard from Tactic Calories is where he and I connected. Uh, Jason was brought in uh, to help run the Tactic Calories outdoors arm. And, um, and since then has had some opportunities come along where he's actually now branched off on his own uh, under his, what he's called Ellsworth Cooks and man, some really cool stuff. So before we get into all that, man, why don't you give us a background, uh, where you're from, how you came up, you know, where you got, where you've been and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I live in the Finger Lakes in New York right now. I say, I say, that I, I say, I put the emphasis on Finger Lakes because anytime I say New York, everybody thinks New York city. And, you know, I've been to New York city probably six times my whole life and I have no desire to go back. Um, I grew up, uh, in a town about 45 minutes away from here on a, on a, on a farm, my grandfather's farm. We were, um, we were, he, he had uh, chickens, roosters, orchards, you know, he was, a. Uh, they were doing farm to table before that was even a thing The the, the beef on his farm went to his buddy who was a butcher uh, about five miles away. And then that, that, that butchered animal went to uh, a restaurant that was about five miles away. Uh, and those three guys um, supported each other uh, like nobody's business. Um, it's, it's kind of neat to think that's how you know that's how it should have been or that's how it should be until you know you get into the the crazy uh, factory farms and you know our our animals are cruising all over the country and keeping it small is the best way i i think and i think that's kind of gets us back to you know being self-providers more and more um to make sure you have the ability to to know where your meat's coming from you know uh hunting fishing making sure that you can you know butcher your own animals do all that that stuff is 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 becoming a lost art and i i think that's um you know the 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 more and more we come detached from the 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 places where we live uh the the less and less um guidance we have so um after you know grow up my grandfather he's a he was a wayne county sheriff and he was a judge after that and so I never got in any trouble in high school at all. <laughs> I, uh, my grandfather's plan was for us all to go in the military. We all went in the military to come home to use our points to be, get into the sheriff's department. Um, 
so I'm a, I have a, a ton of relatives now, cousins, uncles that are all um, sheriffs. I was the black sheep. I got hurt in the military. So when I came home, um, they're like, yeah, uh, it's going to be really hard to get you on the road, but we can uh, put you in the jail. And uh, I was like, you guys have been crapping on the jail my whole life. I don't want to go do that. So kind of found my own way. I started uh, an asphalt company uh, with a bunch of kids in college that that's still going now. Uh, I did that for 15 years. Um, in the, in the winter times I would bartend, uh, and, you know, running bars and restaurants became kind of a, a thing for me. So I left the asphalt business and started, uh, working for a beer distributor. I did that for the past 13 years, um, helped build craft brands, beer brands, uh, traveled all over the country, uh, doing beer acquisitions for the distributor. So signing cool brands to bring back home that got really old, really fast. You realize like the alcohol industry is not a very healthy environment at all. Um, I'm not that bright of a guy. So it only took me about 12 years to figure it out. <laughs> um, so I left that six months ago. Uh, that was also simultaneously the last alcoholic beverage I've had was six months ago. I feel like I've accomplished more in the past six months than I have in the past decade, uh, by being sober and, uh, working out as much as I can. Um, Bert Soren said, if you're the smartest, toughest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. And boy, was I in the wrong room for a long time. And uh, seeing guys like Bert and Brandon Lilly and Casey Bard and like real elevated humans um, that are constantly searching for their next, pla like next level of, of uh, existence is, was real, is very appealing to me. Um, trying to reach new goals, new limits, and removing yourself from the comforts that are perceived. But as you and I both know, comfort wants you dead. So here I am. Yeah, man, absolutely. Here I am. So, okay, th that that kind of, that may have answered a question I had for you. So your Instagram handle is Tarbender. Does that have anything to do with your asphalt business? Yeah, it's actually... Um, a funny story when I was, you know, bartending in the wintertime, one of the, the, the guys, uh, if you ever saw like 10 drunk guys on a random Tuesday in a, in a bar in Western New York, it, it's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> one of them messed up and called you Tarbender. <laughs> if you ever saw that there was a hundred percent chance of rain the next day. And the one kid came in and, uh, and uh, just slurred his speech and goes, hey, Tarbender. And that's where it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've wondered yeah. if, it, you know, you, you've got the connection to tar with the asphalt and then obviously the bartending. And I was like, yeah. what is this? Where is this name yeah. from? That is fantastic. Yeah. Some, some jackhole walks in, hey, Tarbender. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that's That's fantastic. It is a... It is, uh, uh, hearken to my past life, you know, where uh, it is a good reminder of where, where I was and where I'm at now. So, yeah. So you were, uh, so you were in the military, what branch of the military were you in? What was your MOS? What'd you do? I'm, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I was in the army. I went in when I was 17. I was, uh, as a oh, split option. guy. Yeah. I was, uh, immediately I, I slid over a paper to my mom and was like, can you sign this for me? She's like, what's this? And it's like, it's a, it's a paper that let, lets me get out of high school early so I can go in the army. And she's like, yep, no problem. And uh, this was 1994, um, so a long time ago. I'm pretty old. And uh, 
I was in for four years active duty. Uh, I got hurt real bad um, on a training exercise. The armored personnel carriers, which are tracked vehicles, ran the night before in Missouri. And Missouri can be 80 degrees in the daytime and freezing cold at night. And uh, they ran the, the tracked vehicles in the mud the night before. And those tracks froze, so it made just for terrible footing. And I, I blew my left knee out, and I was 18 years old. And uh, they, instead of uh, instead of them um, instead of them giving me like the proper uh, therapy and stuff like that, they did a reconstructive knee surgery on me. Um, sorry, I was I was uh, 20 years old, and I wasn't done growing yet. And uh, so I had my second knee replacement at 26 <laughs> and I've had my third uh, reconstructive knee surgery at 36. And this one seems to be holding on. So they third time. The charm. Yeah. They made me non-combat deployable, which is really hard uh, watching my friends go over and fight for like what I was trained to do. And um, I was probably pretty blessed to stay back uh, because a lot of those guys didn't make it back. And it's, it's, to think it but um i did uh active guard reserve for eight more years so i was um pushing troops teaching uh soldiers basic combat skills all over new york state for agr's active guard reserve so i went to reserve units and national guard units all over new york state and um you know taught anything from basic rifle marksmanship to um land navigation orienteering uh, basic combat skills. So I did that for eight years. Um, the unit I was with hadn't been deployed since world war two. They were deployed in uh, the, uh, in the, in the Bush era, they were, they got deployed to go overseas to help uh, train Iraqi soldiers. I got stuck back cause I was non-combat deployable. I, uh, was stuck in a office with a old chief warrant officer and he and I started, uh, writing will and ceremonies for the kids overseas. And I just hated it so much. I'm not a computer guy. I'm not a desk guy. I hated it, hated it, hated it. So when I, that, uh, second or there was, when my, that, that activation was over, I was, I was done. I was, I'm getting me out of here. I'm over it. So I'm probably one of the old, only guys that have done 12 years and didn't keep going to 20, but it's, uh, it just sucked and I hated it. So well, I mean, and that that's understandable too, because you know, like you've got, you joined for a specific reason. You had a you had a thing in mind that you were trying to accomplish, you were trying to do, and then all of a sudden you're unable to do that. But you still, I mean, you weren't injured to the point where they medically discharged you. Yeah, obviously they made you non-combat deployable, so you're still required to be a soldier and to do all these things and be around and follow orders and go where they say go, but you don't get to do what you what you signed up to do so i mean i can imagine how that that's mentally taxing yeah they actually wanted to medically discharge me and i asked to stay in so um because i was you know 20 some odd years old at the time with no the 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 idea of going back to the marion farm was not in the cards you know i I left the house at 17. The first time I came home when I was 21, I walked by my mom in the airport and she didn't know who I was. <laughs> so <laughs> there was no, there was no like real draw to come back home. Um, so I, I stayed, stayed in as long as I could, but um, I did come back not too long after that and did the AGR stuff. 
but even then I was traveling a ton, which was cool. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird life. I feel like I'm on my third life and this will be the, the one that I think everybody gets three lives, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they, they, they do say that I've heard that saying before is every man has two lives. The first one you spend figuring out what you're supposed to do. And then the second one begins once you figure it out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and that's, that's a, that's an interesting way to think about it. But, you know, I, I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, we only do have the one life, but you know, there's no, there's no rule that says we can only do one thing through this one life and only be one thing. So I, I, uh, I like the whole thought process of metamorphosis and reinventing yourself. You know, this, um, our, our, our friend, Brandon, Lily, he always talks about relentless self-analysis and always looking at at who I am and and how I fit into the world and and what I'm doing and all these things. And uh, I I think that's a big part of of growth. I think it's a big part of life that a lot of people are missing because they're so happy to just sit and, as you said, be comfortable with wherever they are. And you're exactly correct. Comfort wants to kill you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Lily saying that, I think – I listened to something Joe Rogan came across my desk the other day. That's like, uh, that kind of stuck with me is that you, um, you are not the sum of your sins. Like and, and I think what I took from that is that like everybody's, you know, everybody's made mistakes. Everybody's done terrible stuff that they're not proud of. Um, and instead of letting that be, a a burden on yourself today to, to, to make sure you don't make those mistakes again and know that, you know, you couldn't be a better person without having made those mistakes, which I think is a, is a big deal to me that like, I think about the the stupid crap I did when I was a, when I was a young man that, um, you know, I didn't, didn't really have a, a father to guide me, which is, um, you know, my grandfather was my father. My grandfather was the father to, you know, to the, to the police department, to the, to all the grandkids, to his own kids. So it wasn't like a, a, a constant guiding hand. And, um, you know, my mom was very young when she had me, I think about that like crazy too. It's like weird. What you learn when you get older is like, you know, to think my mom was 20 years old when she had me, she was a kid, you know? And, uh, and I had to forgive her a long time ago for, for, um, always being a big sister to me, not a really a mom. And, uh, and, you know, my dad died at 52 years old and he was, you know, never there. Um, but you can learn a lot from uh, other people's mistakes as well. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm uh, I'm not the the sum of my parents sins either. Like, I, I feel like you can learn a lot from how things not to do things. You know, you watch a guy hit his hand, hit his hand with a hammer. It's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, like that looks like it hurt. So I won't do that. And it's, it's, it is a better way to go through life, I think. And constantly trying to reinvent yourself and trying to, you know, attain a, a higher platform. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, there's not constant temptations and, 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 um, and things that want to stray me from the path and the negative thoughts in my head of like, you know, maybe today I don't need to get up and work out or, you know, you know, why don't you rest today? Or, um, you know, maybe, you know, that bar looks super fun, man. I, man, I, man, I can go in there and have some good times right now, but we, I know personally where all those things get me and, um, waking up in the morning, 
and feeling though that that um that regret or that pain from not doing my best the day before is far worse than giving into it. No, I mean that that's spot on, and and I think a lot of that comes from living in the moment, you know. And there and there's no, there's not a it's not a bad thing to be present. I mean, we we talk about that all the time as being present and leaning in and and you know be where your feet are and all of that stuff. But at the same time, you know, you have to be very intentional about where you place your feet. Um, because if you're going to be that type of person, if you're going to be where your feet are, you're going to lean in and be present in whatever situation it is, then where you're placing yourself is vitally important. And so if you know, you know, like you said, the last six months have been, you know, as far as growth trajectory for you have been so great. So if you know for a fact that going to that bar and getting sitting down at that bar is going to hinder that for you personally, then, then why walk in the door, Right. Yep. You know, and that's not everybody. I don't I don't think that I don't think there's anything wrong with alcohol, I don't think there's anything wrong with with going to the bars. I know you don't either. Nope. Um obviously excessive participation in things can be an issue, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um but you know, identifying what those things are in your life that are that are hindering you from from that growth and from being the person that that you know you should be, identifying those, recognizing those and then purposefully and intentionally not being in those situations is, is an absolute key, man. So that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. I think it's just like understanding the trajectory and what either keeps you on it or derails you from it and, and making those constant choices. Like, Hey man, that freaking like that, that, uh, that donut looks amazing, <laughs> but I know that if I eat that donut, like, my freaking back is going to hurt because that's what gluten and sugar does to me. You know, like I, I, like it's, it is weird to, to constantly be adjusting throughout every minute of every day. And, you know, like I'm not thirsty, but I should definitely drink some more water. And like, did I do enough this morning? Did I work out enough today? Did I get like my real movement and, and realizing it's not for anybody else. It's not for, you know, I think there's like levels that you want to reach that guys inspire each other to do that. But, and I think there is a big difference between inspiring and fueling your own ego. Um, and it, that's a tough line to walk, you know, like, am I, am I doing this to like fuel my own ego or am I doing this to help my buddy, like make sure he gets in his reps today. And, um, you know, that's, uh, it, it is, it, nobody can determine that, but, it, but yourself inside your own head and then realizing like, all right, here's the path. Like, here's how I want to stay on the path. So yeah, it's, a it's a constant battle. It's a constant struggle. And the older I get, the more I realize like that it's, it's, um, it's worth staying on the path. You know, that's, that's yeah, absolutely. You know, more and more absolutely man and and that's man i I, i've caught myself lately and and this is this is something like i start looking at other people and and i mean like people like yourself i look at you or like casey or bird or brandon and and i'm like man they've got all this stuff going on they got this figured out and it's like man I'm, i'm running late i'm running behind and then i'm like dude they've got like 10 or 11 years on you that doesn't just because you're not you know you're not 
there yet. You know, I, I keep getting this this thought process of, man, I, I'm, I'm going to miss the boat. I'm going to miss the chance or miss the opportunity. And I keep having to remind myself that like, no, 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 no. You need to stop right now and understand that that A, progress is not linear. And and B, if you have a if you have a goal, you have a destination you're trying to get to, you know, work to get there, but understand that it may not be tomorrow. It might be 10 years from now. But when you when you get there, you can look back and you can see that and you can go, okay, here's how it went and, and understand that it, it is a path and it is worth staying on. And it's not something that, that if it doesn't work out immediately that you just bail ship on. I, I think that that's like, goes a lot back to that imposter syndrome, which is like, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? But I think, you know, especially winter strong, like being there and like being around, I've never been in a room with more guys who can kill me at the same time. <laughs> like never like looking around there <laughs> without you ever knowing. What am like I you're doing? just sitting there, and in the next second, you're like, "What happened? Like what? Why? I'm dead. Why am I here? Why am I here?" But to have like those guys, like it's crazy to me to like think like those guys have that same thought, which is bonkers i like i know why they're there they're amazing people and they're badass and they're real leaders and they're like they're setting examples and then you know like that that imposter syndrome i think is 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 i don't think it's a bad thing to have it because i think it keeps you humble and focused and i think that um if you're feeling it it's it's a it's a good um beacon to to keep you on the right track but I can guarantee that everybody feels that way. Everybody looks around and says, man, that guy's really got it figured out. But I can guarantee you that through every single one of those guys is looking at somebody else to, to there's not one guy sitting at the top of the mountain and saying, I got it all figured out. Come to me. I think it's, it's your, your, the only person you're competing against is yourself from yesterday. You know, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and you, you've heard you've heard Bert say it before. No, no one's the guy. No one's the man. No one's like the everybody man. has something that you can learn from. And, and you're, the, I think you're right, man. The imposter syndrome thing. And, and um, I, if you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to some of my other episodes. And and what Jason's talking about is Winter Strong that uh, Bert Soren and Sornex Outdoors puts on, and, and it is an absolutely ridiculous environment. Um, it was the only place I've ever been where you've got, you know, strength and conditioning professionals, professional athletes, professional shooters, you know, uh, special forces operators. And, and I mean, you've got bull riders and, and knife makers and, and it's just like this, this smorgasbord and conglomerate of high performing people. And you look around and you're like, why, why am I here? Um, and, but Jason's right. You know, everybody has that same thought, but the, the, the key is, and, and imposter syndrome is a real thing and it can go, it can make it, it can be a very negative thing if, if you don't have confidence in yourself and if you don't have confidence in the abilities that you have. So, you know, when, when you can look at that and you can go, I have no idea why I'm here, but I'm confident in myself enough to know that I'm going to go and participate fully and I'm going to be candid and I'm going to be honest and open and, and if someone can receive something from me, awesome. But I'm going to seek to receive as much back from them as I can as well, because it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about all of us. 
Um, and, and, you know, I've seen that imposter syndrome work negatively with people before where they feel that. And so they go recluse, like they just draw in on themselves and they're just like, I have no idea why I'm here. So I'm just going to sit in the corner and be quiet and not talk to anybody for fear, you know, for fear of being found out. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of the thing, man. You don't see that degree of the imposter syndrome at that event. You know, you see, you see everybody's like, okay, I have no more reason to be here than anyone else. But here I am, so let's make the best of it. Yeah, I was uh, definitely freaking out when Casey um, well, K- Casey invited me to it. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was like some kind of like, you know, cool thing, that like cool camping trip kind of thing. You know, like, like some oh, kind definitely of that. exposition of like selling stuff. You know, I didn't think too much of it. And then um, like digging into it definitely sent me into a spiral. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, why are you bringing me this? Like, I'm not anything like I didn't do anything really cool in the army. I didn't like, I'm not the best shooter. I'm not this or I'm not that. And he goes, that's that's in case he kept saying, it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see. And then I, you know, I'm sitting, um, I'm sitting with, uh, uh, a guy from, um, a disabled vets thing and found out he's not too far away from here, like where I live. And I'm like, man, if there's like, it's even talking about now, I'm like, I got to get a hold of that guy. But like, um, if there's anything I could do for disabled vets, like hunting, fishing, you know, I, I live in, I live on a, I live on state land, you know, we're within 20,000 acres. We're within five minutes of 20,000 acres and where I live, the lake is, you know, 10 minutes away from my house. Like anybody wants to hunt or fish or anything like that. Here's, here's the welcome mat. And then, you know, standing next to Phil Ivy who, you know, Dr. Phil Ivy, this like bronze sculpture of a man, like, and, and like standing next to him on the archery course and like watching him like fumble with, um, I'm going to guess that guy doesn't fumble with much. He, uh, <laughs> like, and watching him, like, try to knock an arrow and not have, like, and the bow was, you know, I'm not, this is not disparaging any, but, like, the bow was, like, upside down in his hand. He's trying to knock an arrow, but, like, that's thumbs. We're all in a position where we're all thumbs to be somewhere along the line. Um, and I helped this guy, like, knock an arrow and shoot an arrow, and it all came together. It all rushed together in that moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, you go from student to teacher in a heartbeat. And, you know, if you're not like willing to help and if you're not being, you know, candid and inquisitive, like it, you're, you shouldn't be there. But like that, in that moment, I'm like, this makes sense why I'm here. And then the relationships I've made from that, you know, you, Colin Cottrell, uh, you know, Casey, my friendship went to Danny Bolton, Brandon Lilly. These guys are amazing. These are like the dudes, like I'm looking up to these guys like, here's here's how it's done you know and and none of them are saying like i'm better than you it's like here i've fallen i've tripped i've done things this like like i've gotten back up and it's like that rocky it's not how it's not about when you fall or not everybody's gonna fall it's how many times you can get back up and and what do you do when you do get back up but oh, man I, I, yeah that's 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 awesome and that's a cool story for me to hear because see i've known I've known Pat for a long time, um, just through the strength and conditioning world. And, and he, um, so like, he is an absolute like legend 
yeah. right, on the strength and conditioning side of things. So, like, when I, I go to Winter Strong and it's this old outdoors thing, which I grew up in, right? So, I, I've been hunting since I could walk. Like, my dad took me hunting. He was a first-generation hunter. His his dad didn't really hunt. Um, and then, you know, when, when his parents got divorced, his mom remarried. His stepdad was a logger. Uh, mountain of a man strong as a bull ox, but like he didn't, he didn't hunt. Um, and so my dad picked up hunting as an adult, uh, as a means to, you know, find, get meat and things like that. And so he taught me. And so I, I grew up hunting, uh, down here in Mississippi and you had a guy like Pat who grew up in inner city Detroit and, you know, goes and plays football and is this humongous human what um, played played I, dozen years in the NFL and then becomes one of the greatest strength coaches that's ever been in the college sphere he has a doctorate and now he's doing things that's so so important um for the for student athletes from um from that side of things, from the administrative side of things, he's become this this great advocate for student athletes. He's doing all this really cool stuff. So when I go to strength and conditioning conference in the first week of May, like you walk around and, and like Pat has an entourage almost of people who follow him and like listen to him talk. And he's all around. He's a presenter at things. And so like, you know, when we're in the exhibit hall the first night, they have this um, – like talks with the legends or something like that. And Pat was one of the sponsored speakers and like people flock over to Pat to listen to him talk. Uh, Bill Gillespie's the same way. And and so like, I I get to see both sides of that. It's really freaking cool for me to hear this story of like this mountain of a man standing on the shoulders of giants type guys. Like Pat is this, you know, Mount Rushmore type institution in the strength, strength world. And he's fumbling with a bow at Winter Strong, right? right. And, and and it's been really cool. You know, I've been at Winter Strong now twice to see Pat's like evolution. Um, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call him and get this story. Uh, and I'm 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 he's I'm wanting to get him on the podcast eventually. And I'm gonna get him to I'm gonna see if this is this is accurate and get him to tell the story. But I'm pretty sure at Winter Strong three, his bow exploded. Like he was on the archery range with a tra- with a traditional oh. like you know compound bow, yeah. um, and I'm 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 97 sure like something happened, and like one of his cams bent or something or other, and like literally his bow just boom like basically <laughs> exploded, and he ends up having to shoot a crossbow the rest of the time he was there, and so just trying these new things and stuff, and he was just you know always the first one to ask questions and trying to learn and trying to learn, and everybody you know. People who don't know him don't think anything of it. But then there's me who's in the strength and conditioning sphere. And I'm like, dude, this is freaking Pat Ivy who's acting like he knows nothing. But it is, it, 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 it's it, wild. It's a really good roadmap about how to be a good human, too, because, you know, I, I've seen it. I, I did, you know, I shot competitive archery for 13 years all over the East Coast. I was a sponsored shooter for a long time. Um, and I, I watch it happen the 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 male ego i watch it unfold i i've played into it i've been a part of it um i just watched it not too long ago um at a at a hunt that it, it just like to to realize that like you don't have it all figured out and like you got two ears and one mouth and you should be listening twice as much as you talk as you're talking 
but the male ego doesn't let that happen, you know? And I, I just, I just watched it uh, on a, on a hunt. Like these, these, these kids are dressed up and, you know, head to toe sick of stuff, you know, $2,000 bows in their hands, you know, shooting hundred dollar broadheads. Uh, and, and instead of like, looking around you and like realizing that there's probably some people here that are maybe better hunters or better archers or, and like asking them things, it's immediately watch what I could do. Watch me, watch me, watch me do this trick. And it's like, it, it reminds me of like a five-year-old in a ramp, you know, it's like, watch me do this. Watch me do this. Watch me do this. Watch me do this. I'm like, yeah. Uh, except like, you know, you're on gravel and you might want to put that on grass or, you know, like where there's so many like, I've learned so much along the way and like was blessed with so many different fathers in my life. Like, you know, from archery coaches to, to like hunting guides, like all these people, like I I just went down that path when I was, when I was their age and I know where it gets you. It's just like, it's so much of a longer, rougher path than just sitting back, shutting up and listening to like what people can tell you. And Pat Ivy, is a glowing example of that. that. That guy knows more about strength and conditioning than probably most of the people walking the planet. But when, you know, he's fumbling a bow and arrow and like looking around for help, like it, it, his ego doesn't make him put around that bow or not step in that line. Like his, it, like he, he's up there and he's wants to be better and wants to learn. And I think that's that whole tribe thing of like this guy's an amazing knife maker this guy's an amazing archer this guy's an amazing cook this guy you know and, and you can learn so much from all those people if you are just accepting of it and like not just watch what i can do watch what i can do watch what i can do but yeah yeah and i think that that goes back to that confidence you know within you know you have to create a confidence within yourself of knowing who you are and and knowing what you do well right but then you also have to know what you don't do well so that you can you can mesh into situations because there there are people who know they you know they flat out I can do X Y and Z yeah. very well yeah. you know you you can cook you can cook very well and you know that and so you you have you have used that as a um, as a doorway to get into certain things and you've used that as does it become now an avenue for uh, providing a lifestyle for your family it, it's become Hopes uh, of career. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but, you you know, identifying what you don't do well is also just as important. Um, and, and, man, I think you said something in there that was very, very, very important. I want to touch on real quick. Um, you said you had fathers, you know, throughout your life, even though your biological father wasn't very present, that you've had men throughout your life that stepped up and filled that void. Um, I don't know if you saw it recently, but Ryan Mickler posted something and it was a long spill about, you know, fatherhood and manhood and stepping up and all that stuff. But there was this one phrase that he had in there that really jumped off the screen to me when I was reading it on Instagram. And it said, wherever boys are, men should lead. Hmm. In other words, like we're seeing all these men gripe and complain about you know, the state of our society and how masculinity and manhood is being attacked and all this stuff. And we're raising soft, weak boys, blah, 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 blah. And Ryan's challenge was basically like, okay, cool. Are you coaching little league baseball? Yeah. Hey, are you, um, what are you doing? Where are you influencing 
boys to become men, or are you just going to sit back and complain about it? You know, he was, he was basically all, you know, issuing a challenge. And I thought that was just this profound thing. So, you know, and, and here you are giving an example, you are a living, breathing example of why that is so very important. You didn't have a dad in your life, your act, you know, your actual biological father, but you had plenty of male role models throughout your life in different instances, different, you know, paths crossed where they led you and showed you the way. Very, so, very. I think, um, I can't remember who said it and I should probably, this is why, this is why I need to get better at, but, um, you as a person have the ability to emulate the folks that you admire. Like, and if you see an admirable quality in another human, what are you doing to attain that quality? Um, you know, that guy walks upright and he, you know, speaks the truth. Like, and he, you know, he's an amazing hunter or he's an amazing fisherman. He's an amazing father. Like you, always have that ability to stand back and say, I admire that. And I can, I can emulate that. And I think that's, um, that's something that's, you know, my cousin, Chris is a six foot four Wayne County Sheriff. And I, he's been a big brother to me my whole life. And, you know, we all grew up on the farm together and I look at that guy, amazing father, uh, uh, like, you know, real thin blue line, Wayne County Sheriff, like Wayne County is a, is a pretty sparse place, but he is what he, you know, he is, he's a sheepdog. He is like standing on that line at night and he guards that County from whatever it is. And like, what qualities do I like? I'm, I'm not going to become a sheriff now, but what qualities do I admire in him? And, you know, he's quick to listen. He's quick to give advice. He's, you know, um, he walks with a purpose. Like all those things are, um, are, are qualities that I admire in, in somebody. And I've been trying to, you know, emulate those things my whole life. The, um, my daughter's 19 years old and, uh, she's got her first boyfriend and, um, oh, man, this is nuts. His, uh, he's no dad at home and, uh, like just kid got a, a, a spider tattoo on his hand. I'm like, what the heck? What, like, who, what, what are you doing with this lob? And no kid, no kid's ever going to be good enough for my daughter, you know? And, uh, <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. Mine, mine's four. And I'm, I'm about to, when we get off this podcast, I'm going to, we're actually going to discuss how you kept her from dating someone until she was 19. I need some pointers there. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the birth one she's telling me about. And, um, and my my initial my knee jerk reaction is like, screw this kid. What, what the hell? like what what a punk like tattoo on his hand. What a dumbass. And then you, I stood back and stat is like I love my kid. My daughter's amazing. She's a hard ass worker. She's like honest and true and works her tail off and is is exactly what's right in the world with kids today. And I was like, if my kid cares about this kid, maybe I should maybe maybe it's it's in me someplace to like help this kid be a better person and uh and dissuade him from getting stupid hand tattoos <laughs> <laughs> well i mean look if uh 
if the worst that, that the worst thing about him is he's got a dumb tattoo that he made a dumb decision one time, then uh, then she may be doing all right, huh? Yeah. So, um, he's an electric. Uh, what is it? He's an electric uh, electrician journeyman. So he's on the right. He's on the right. Oh, path. Yeah. Just doesn't know. Like he. He's, she's like, Dad. He really wants to hunt, <coughs> but my, uh, my worry is that he'll be alone with you in the woods with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem? What's the problem? And Jason, Jason's like, yes. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Yep, we should do that. So, <laughs> it's weird to think like I do have to pay that forward. You know, I do have to pay that back to the to the men that made me who I am. And, uh, you know, dumb tattoos aside or, you know, dumb actions aside, some, there's, there's some worth in pretty much every human that has to be cultivated into making those humans better humans for the greater good of all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think our society is so quick to write people off. Um, cancel culture, call it what you will, um, that we, we, we do that, man. And it's just like, why we, we take someone's worst moment or someone's dumbest decision. And we define them by that instead of going, Hey, what, what caused this, right? right. Where was the disconnect? Where was what happened? And, and when we can identify that, then, then we can help those people. We can call out the greatness in them, like you said, cultivate, you know, the decentness that's in inherently in everyone, right? Um, we, and, and this is something I truly believe. Like when you're born, man, you're a blank slate. Nobody's born predestined to be good or predestined to be bad. And we are always the sum of our decisions for, for better or for worse. Where we are right now today is the sum of every decision that we've made throughout our lives. But the good news with that is, is that's not a, that's not a set in stone equation, right? You know, you can start making decisions to influence and change the sum of who you are right now so that in 10 years, it'll be a completely different individual, um, yeah, I, I come back to I come back to Brandon Lilly a whole lot, and he's he's coming on the podcast before long. Um, he and I have already talked about that a little bit, but <clears throat> he said once that he looked at his life at, at his lowest moment and thought, "Man, if a thousand bad decisions got me here, then a thousand and one good ones will get me out." And, yeah. and that's where his whole plus one lifestyle that every decision you make yeah. is a positive or a negative. You always want to be making that positive plus one decision that it all kind of came from there. And, and I think that is absolutely true. And it's absolutely applicable to everything that we do in life, whether we're talking about our health and wellness, whether we are talking about relationships with people, business, um, wh whatever it is that we are the sum of our decisions right now. But the good news is, is you've still got time to become something better. Yeah. I, I think, uh, when we're saying these names, I just, um, the, the word blessed just to have these, these incredible men in our lives is just, uh, you know, I, that's where that imposter syndrome, I'm not sure what I did to deserve that man, but I'm super glad I can call, you know, Andy, Andy's helped me a ton with like the camp cooking stuff, like flip flop guy, like 
he doesn't have to take my calls. I'm nobody to him. I'm, you know, I'm nothing to him. But he, anytime I call him with any questions, he's there to answer or like, hey, man, I'll get right back to you. Like, like, like how how lucky are we to have, you know, to see the bar, to, like to see like like the 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 mountain in front of us is like, man, those guys are those guys are definitely ahead of me, but. I'm, I'm on, I'm in their footsteps, you know, like, and, and I think it's important when you're on that path to look behind you too, to see who you can help up and, and pay it back, pay it forward, you know? Um, oh, for sure. Cause th- those guys, you know, I, I think of it, you know, like, why am I, why am I helping this person? Like, why am I helping this person? Like, or like, Oh, I'm helping that person because if they're a better person, that ripple goes throughout that pond, you know, who else are they going to help? And that, that's, I think that's rising tides raise all ships, you know, the, okay. the better off, we, the better off we all are, the the better off we all are. No, absolutely, man. I think the, I think you're spot on with that. So, um, man, we'll use this as kind of a transition point because I want to get into Ellsworth cooks. So yeah. you come to winter strong, you meet Colin, yeah. You know, you come down there as as the you know the brand Tacticalories Outdoors, man. That was kind of you and you and Casey worked that together, and it was kind of your thing. And then you come to Winter Strong, yep. and next thing I know, yep. you're no longer with Tacticalories Outdoors, and you're like, man, I got this new thing cooking, pun intended. And uh, <laughs> and then now all of a sudden. Dude, you are you are poised to absolutely blast off. So, dude, did, walk us through that, like how that got started, where you've been, and then uh, let's talk a little bit about what you got coming up because I'm pretty sure you're gonna crush it. Yeah. So, um, thank God for Casey Bard, man. I love that dude. Um, Me too. He flavors because... all my meat. <laughs> he, yes. Uh, he, um, you know when when I quit the beer business, uh, he was the first one to like throw me a line and, um, and probably like, you know, to, to his own business's detriment, you know, like where he, you know, we didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know how to feel it. I know like the outdoors is like what I live and breathe. I've been, you know, um, hunting and fishing since, you know, my entire life, you know, that was, uh, that was way off the farm was like, out of sight out of mind was uh, was the way to make sure that you didn't have to be picking rocks in a field so you know my cousin chris i was talking about him earlier um you know would just you know take a 22 and go take wood shocks out so like the 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 cows weren't breaking their legs in their holes you know and and uh you know pointing me through the woods I'm like that's a that's a puffer ball mushroom and those are chanterelles and like that that stuff just always like was magical to me that like you can be outside and like pick something and eat it you know like it always felt like you were more in tune with nature that way um but get out with casey you know i think um when you look at like sornex outdoors and like all these all these divisions have like an outdoor themed um realm to it um you know working i'm starting to work with like a company called darn tough socks and like they're really gearing towards hunters and, and like what that looks like. So I think like there's, there's the guy that walks into the store and buys a piece of beef and 
grills it and there's a guy that like caught a fish and might have some questions on how to do that and i think that's where outdoor the tax galleries outdoors was like gearing towards helping those guys out um with the economy going the way it was going and gas prices going the way they were going uh putting me on the road to sell that wasn't a sustainable thing and um in that time um you know, meeting guys like Colin and, and things like that. There's uh, Colin asked if tactic calories would like to go down to Texas to high caliber hunts and, and, and cook for those guys using all the tactic calorie stuff. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that's, that was vibing too hard with Casey and uh, it, not in a bad way, but like Casey's like, I don't, you know, I'm not really, I don't want to go to a hunting camp and cook for a bunch of guys. I don't know. And I was like, case do you do you mind if i do that that sounds really appealing to me and uh he's like i i don't care like go have fun like make sure you know like bring some product with you like let's get some like let's get some content out of it and um right around that same time is like when the 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 cost of doing business for for me at tactic calories was just getting like a little out of hand and uh casey's like listen like I don't think I can keep you on the way things are going. And uh, I was like, no problem, man. Like, thank you so much for the lifeline. Like I've always got bartending fall on back on um, a couple breweries had offered me like this. There's this beck and call right now. Like I can go back to a six figure job in a heartbeat. And like, I don't want to, because I know where that trail gets me. So this kind of goes into your, you know, podcast, like discomfort by design. Like I am, so uncomfortable right now to, but i know that like me being uncomfortable right now is gonna like help me grow so getting back to um i went down to went down uh, you know i met colin through winter strong like went down to his camp uh was separated from tactic calories at the time um started uh started ellsworth cooks right around then um my wife is an amazing brand and marketing person she helped me come up with the logo and uh it's a cool logo, built, uh, by the way. Super cool. Um, I'm super proud of it. She, boy, you should see the renditions I was trying to come up with, and she she slammed it. Um, but got down to, got down. This is amazing, and uh, how this all kind of came together. Um, went down, cooked for Colin at his high caliber hunt in Texas, and did not know it that the the guys in camp that that three of them were uh, an like an amazing uh, group of film guys, videographers, editing guys called Copeland creative and Copeland creative um, is the production team for Lee and Tiffany Likoski, the crush, uh, the longest running hunting television show, highest rated television show uh, in for the past 20 years. Um, I hit it off with Caleb Copeland, who's the, who's the founder of Copeland creative and, um, just kind of sitting around camp and being myself and talking and having fun and, and cooking my butt off and, uh, you know, making sure everybody's making sure all the, you know, there's this, there's this quote that says to service, to love, you know, like when, when you see someone running around, like my grandma used to run around and take care of these kids, like put food in front of their faces, you know, and, and give them like a pop or whatever. That was, that's a way of showing love. And, you know, uh, that sticks with me a lot <clears throat> when I'm doing these cooks is like, I'm making things 
for like-minded folks and hopefully changing their minds about like what game animals taste like. Um, so hit it off with the Copeland guys. This is, I think the hunt with, with Colin was like a Monday to Wednesday thing or a Sunday to Monday, Sunday, Wednesday. Um, Caleb Copeland said, do you want to keep on with us for a couple more days? And, uh, we got a camp a couple hours South of here that we're doing a school. Um, and the school is they bring in, um, new videographers, editing kids, photographers, like to, to create, um, they were creating a commercial at this point for Savage e-bikes and uh, school had, I think, 10 guys in it. <clears throat> and they all go to learn from these guys, the Copeland creative guys about how to create content, all this stuff. And um, I was like, yeah, man, like uh, he's like, not a lot of money in it, but uh, I'll pay for your flight to get changed. And like, um, we'll give you all the content. I'm like, that's incredible. You got a deal. <clears throat> and kind of like, being a bit spontaneous and following my heart <clears throat> like just knowing like i feel like one of the things i've been blessed with in life is like um being able to know when i'm around good folk good folks and um caleb pulled me aside and he's like hey man like listen um tiffany lakoski like does this is amazing tiffany's like one of the most amazing women i've ever met um not only is she amazing mother uh, an amazing hunter, an amazing, she, like, she's just like the most gracious, loving human. I, I, I've never had a sister, but if, if I had one, I would wish it'd be her. Um, so for the past five years, ever since Tiffany's mom passed away of cancer, um, she'd been taking care of the camps and Caleb being the greatest hearted guy I know, uh, I've met in a long time, uh, gifted me to the camp for their, their Iowa Turkey hunt. Um, and Tiffany and I, like, this is nerve wracking is all get out going to cook for, you know, two famous people, you know, like that, like I'm going to their house and like cooking and, and just way, way outside of like any comfort I've ever felt. And just going into it, I'm like, I'm going to be myself and work really hard. I think like, as long as you, do what you say you're going to do and work really hard. It's a pretty clear path to success. Um, went there, cooked my butt off, worked really hard. I was up at three 30 in the morning, uh, with all the hunters getting ready to go out Turkey camp, made sure you know, coffee was going and, and, uh, was in bed at 10, 10 30 night. So the first one up last one to bed every day for a week, um, led to more content led to, you know, he, he paid me for that. Um, which was awesome. And, uh, Lee and Tiffany asked me to come back for all of deer season for October, November, um, which has led to so many other doors opening. I'm thinking I'm going to be heading down to Georgia in a couple of weeks to do another school with, um, with, uh, the Copeland guys, the Copeland guys have been like so gracious. Um, they're, they're, they're fleshing out something bigger for me, which is, pretty incredible uh, I, I i i dare not say it because it might not come true but they're they're doing some <laughs> huge huge things like gigantic things like that i've never thought would be possible um but uh you know working with those guys closer and closer i knew i was onto something when caleb who's this guy i admire you know uh looked at me and he goes 
hey man, when this blows up for you, like I know it's gonna blow up for you, just don't forget about us. And I'm like, this is the, one of the coolest. I'm like, that will never happen. I have like, I will be loyal to you, no problem. And then Lee and Tiffany said the same thing. They're like, they're like Tiffany's like, hey, when this like blows up for you, like we know it's gonna blow up for you. Just please like make sure you come back here. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like, how can it get better than this? You know? And I'm um, I got a couple big hunts lined up. Um, with a company called South Creek Outfitters. They're out of Idaho. I'm going to stay on with them from like mid-September to beginning of October. And it's just, it's like, it's, it's an incredible experience. You know, I, I, I think um, cooking for folks, going back to the beginning, like the first hunting camp I was ever invited to, uh, just a bunch of older guys that, you know, nobody knew how to cook and you know they're ordering pizzas and stuff like that and i was like there's a grill here can, can we do something with that and yeah if you want to and cooking hamburgers and hot dogs with those guys like <clears throat> set me off on a on a trajectory i never thought i'd understand so i knew one of the older guys is like man we gotta bring him back he's a heck of a cook and i was at 15 or 16 years old you know and i'm like this is what it takes to get invited back to these awesome places i'll do this you know, and that's, that's been part of my life the whole time, like is been picking up, learning from, you know, the, the fathers of my life, like their cool recipes. Like, um, you know, there's, there's things I'm cooking today that, you know, have been cooked for in, in my family for one way or the other for 150 years, you know, like there's some really cool stuff that every time you're cooking that stuff if the memories of the people that gave you that recipe aren't like in your heart and mind like there's something broken in you and the fact that like when i'm walking to those tables and putting that stuff in front of those guys like with with the the hands of my forefathers like and and their stories and in my heart and, and mouth like it's you can't lose you can't lose like everybody wants to hear that and it's it's an amazing thing to like touch a cast iron pan that's like a hundred and some odd years old that you know someone's grandfather or grandmother used to cook fried chicken on like it, it's those stories stick with us every time i reach into my freezer like you know it's a it's a, a flood of of feelings of memories of stories that like you know this sausage is a hundred and some odd year old recipe and like and this is from that big doe I killed, you know, uh, on that super cold winter day. And like, and like that going to the table with those things in my hand and like, and, and those recipes in my heart, like that's, that's just an incredible, I just really just feel really blessed and appreciate it so much that I have the ability to do it. Well, man, that's, that is, that's it. Like that's, that's the magic. That's the mojo. And, and, and man, for the last six, eight months, the word that's been in my head that has been driving a whole lot of, of my life and, and where I've been thinking, where I've been trying to move towards has been the word connection. Um, because yep. we are the most connected as a people, as a, as a society, as a, as a human race that we've ever been. We're most connected we've ever been. This stupid little smartphone in my hand or these computers that we have literally connect us with people all over the world instantaneously. And at the same time, we're more disconnected from what matters than we've ever been in our lives. And so like 
man, like you're sitting there talking about this and, 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 and in my head, I'm thinking back to when the guys that I rode to strength conditioning conference come to my house on Saturday night, we're going to leave first thing Sunday morning. I got up Sunday morning and homemade biscuits from grandmother's recipe, you know, you'll have to sign me that right. <laughs> homemade biscuits from grandmother's recipe, um, deer sausage that's from a deer that, you know, that I killed, um, yep. bacon that's like fresh cut slab bacon that still has the rind on it from the country store here in town. That's like the only place I know that I can get that anywhere around here. Um, eggs from the chickens that we raise, you know, like all this stuff, like this connection and then like making that for them. Dude, I, I, that's like a small little taste of what you're getting to experience. And I love it. I, I'm a, I'm a cook. Dude. I, I love to cook. It's my thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I am by no means a skinny man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and part of that is because I love food. I love to cook and I love, I love cooking good food. I love cooking food for people. And, and in the same vein, man. So like, I like using things when I cook because that's that's one of the ways that I show love to people is cooking for them same way as you. I love using things when I cook that connect me to my other friends. So like when I, I season all my food with tactic calories because I love Casey, I love his business. Um, yeah. I, I, I When I'm cooking, I often use my Montana Knife Company knives because I love Josh and Brandon. I love their business, you know, and um, – I, I use oh, a lot flip. of Andy's flip-flop sauce on things and, and because I love Andy, I love his business. And so like all these yep. people that, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden I look up and it's like, Hey, when I killed this deer, you know, I, I, I took this animal, I skinned it with a Montana knife company knife and it was part of the processing. And then now it's part of the cooking. And then Casey's seasonings are part of the cooking. And, and not only are you supporting people's businesses monetarily when you do that, but you're also inviting them in to be part of the process. And, and dude, I, I love it. I love the whole thing, the whole theme of connection. Like that's, that's where my heart and my head are right now. And, it, and it's what's driving me at the moment. So they're like, you're, I'm sitting over here like freaking riveted on the edge of my seat. Like, feel like I'm sitting at the hunting table when I hear you talking about this, you know, because I can hear the passion in your voice and, you know, I can see the video, man. And like, and it's weird. Right. So like you can, you learn things about people when they talk, you know, when people sit back away from something and they're just, they just talk about it. It's like, okay. Yeah. They're just talking about it. But then you get them, get them talking about something they love that they lean in, they start getting animated with their hands, their heads are moving. And it's like, okay, he is all about this right now. And dude, that, that's exactly what you just did. So like, I'm freaking excited for you because you've got all this stuff coming up and, and, and it's, and it's really cool. But like six months ago, where were you? Yeah. Six yeah. months ago, yeah. you yep. were, you were in a cushy six figure job doing something yep. you knew you didn't need to be doing, but because it was comfortable, we we're just going to hang out with it and, and let it ride. And then in a six month turnaround, yeah. how many, right, let me ask you this because I know it's more than just tactic calories. How many different jobs have you done since you left the alcohol industry before going exclusively with Ellsworth cooks? So I'm working. So tactic calories, uh, I was there for four months. I took a job, uh, with a friend as the, so I think it's, it's easy to fall back on what you're good at. 
uh, and it's hard to um, get outside your shell. So I had a, a friend who ran a concert venue here that wanted me to be his um, front of the house manager, which would put me smack dab in, back into the alcohol industry. Um, and uh, I did that for a couple months, and it was just like, uh, it just wasn't, I love those guys, and the feeling was, was like, I think, they wanted to use the, the, the worst parts of me. And I, I didn't want to give that back. I didn't want to be that again. And then, um, and that now I'm, now I'm pretty much full-time Ellsworth cooks. I took a couple, um, bartending shifts at my very good friend's restaurant and like, but was completely transparent about it. Like that, like, this isn't, you know, like this isn't what I want to do. And, uh, like those guys are all rocking Ellsworth shirts, cooks, Ellsworth cook shirts. And they're all like rooting for me. And they're all like super invested in making sure that I'm not just uh, a bartender. And like anytime that like any of those guys are introducing me to anybody now, they're telling that story for me. And like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's helping us out do this right now, but he's not like, not going to be here full time. He's like leaving in September. So they're, they're telling my story, which is amazing. Uh, you know, I could be a fool and say like, I don't need money to come in and bartending, um, has been a easy, uh, it's a trick. It's just like a skill you don't lose. You know, uh, I think it's weird to me now that like me bartending and not drinking, um, is, uh, is a lot easier than it was bartending and drinking. <laughs> But, uh, for the next, I feel like I just got to get through June, July and August. And then it's, I feel like it's going to be on like Donkey Kong then. And then, you know, I'm, I'm traveling pretty much from mid September straight through to December and, um, stuff starting to line up in, uh, December and January already. So it's kind of crazy how it's all coming together, but I don't, I also don't think like there's any shame i have no shame and the fact that like i'm uh you know doing what i need to do part-time to to make sure that you know the lights stay on in the house for for a few months and and my wife who's uh is, is definitely the you know i say it all the time i'm the i'm the sale she's the anchor but you sure wouldn't leave port without either one of those two things um has been so crazy supportive of me because she understands like that this is what I think I've been sent here to do, um, to, to, to connect people to, um, realize like this might sound dumb, but I think like the dinner table, the supper table, um, is, is the greatest unifier in, that we have, um, that, you know, you, you might be, you know, a Republican, you might be a Democrat, but I think the, the, the powers that be want to make sure that there's no, um, actual conversation between those two people anymore. The further they're divided, the, um, the stronger the politics. And, uh, that's a huge loss when people, when smart people aren't sharing ideas anymore. Um, and I think the supper table is a place where those things happen that's that's kind of like where my head's at and i think that that camp you know campground like a, like a camp um that 
a lot of uh, like-minded folks come together and um, having a kid from New York who, you know, <laughs> um, hunts and fishes and farms is, is kind of a, breaks the perspe- perception of New York. And I think that breaking that perception is a, is an icebreaker of like, yeah, what else, do you, what else do you think you might be wrong about? You know, um, it's, it's funny to me that like, anytime I say I'm from New York, it's like yellow cabs and, and, uh, skyscrapers and, and all I see is farmland and turkey and deer and, you know, delicious farm stands and water. <laughs> well, my, my father-in-law is a, uh, man, he's a, he's a big hunter. Um, and he, he has gone all over the United States hunting turkeys. Like that's his, he's a, he he hunted, he hunt anything he can eat. Um, but, but he loves, loves turkey hunting. And, um, we, we were talking about, uh, actually mentioned you, uh, to him the other day, I was like, Hey, look, man, I've got a buddy in New York that, that has already told me anytime we want to come, we've got a place to go to to hang out and hunt, you know, on 20,000 government acres right there. And, uh, and and I don't remember who we were with, what we were doing. Like they were like New York, you going turkey hunting New York. And my father in law turned around and said, "I'm gonna tell you something. You get away from New York City and you go out there that upstate area. There's more rednecks and back backwoods hillbillies in there than there is in the entire state of Mississippi." And I was like, "That sounds about right. <laughs> it's about right." I, I think <laughs> a whole lot of LA and New York, you know, um, I say it all the time that it's, I was fishing in San Diego a couple of years ago on a charter, um, for my, my old job. And that's, I always made sure that I was doing stuff I like to do when they, they gave me, uh, incentives and, uh, we're, we're, we're catching fish like crazy. And, um, I started rigging up gear, like to help the, the hand who was getting his butt kicked. Cause we were catching so many fish and he goes, where are you from? I was like, New York. And he goes, how the heck do you know how to do this? I'm like, uh, <laughs> what does that have to do with where I'm from? Like, you know, but it is their perception that like, it's, uh, it's all yellow caps and skyscrapers, man. Well, you I, know, I've when, been to New York. <clears throat> when you say New York, people think Staten Island and Manhattan, the Bronx, you know, yeah. like that's what they think of. My, my redneck but friends think I'm that, that is, that is not it. That's the small section. No. No, I say it all the time. My redneck friends think I'm the fanciest dude that's ever walked the planet, and my freaking city friends think I'm the like most backwood savage they've ever met. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is fun to walk in and out of the circle. I love it. You know? I, I love it. Walk that line. I love it. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. So, all right, man. Let me ask a couple of questions, and we'll uh, we'll kind of kind of turn this thing in and wrap it up a little bit. We've been going a little over an hour, uh, which doesn't yeah. seem like it, but but we have. I know. Uh, you're getting close to close to lunchtime up there and I know you got stuff to do, but, um, first off, uh, where can people find you on social media and, uh, how can they support you support Ellsworth cooks, all of that? I think it's a, uh, well, easy is Ellsworth cooks on Instagram, Ellsworth.cooks on Instagram. Um, I have a website set up. It's, uh, Ellsworth cooks <laughs> pretty easy. Uh, Ellsworthcooks.com. Um, I'm, I'm Jason at Ellsworthcooks.com. Um, it's a weird thing now too. It's like, it's a, I have this weird like business plan where it's, it seems to be, I don't know if I, I don't know if I need Instagram or anything like that. It's probably like one of the last businesses where it's just me going to places. So it seems to be a lot of word of mouth, but if anybody thinks of a cool hunting camp, they need a, a cook for, um, totally in. 
um, the, uh, I, I never want to end up at like some guys like random, like, uh, clam bake, you know, I want to make sure it's, it's like like-minded folks, um, where I'm part of the experience as opposed to like the, the guy that's doing it all, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So awesome. And so if, uh, if you guys, if anyone's listening to this and you think you might want to book Jason for, uh, for your hunting camp, definitely feel free to reach out. Um, he's, uh, he's pretty, pretty good about getting back on, back to you on social media. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We are going to do a part two of this, uh, after you get done with, uh, Lee and Tiffany toward the end of November at the end of the year, we're going to check back in, dude. I cannot wait to hear the stories. Because uh, that's that's my favorite part of hunting camp is is the stories, man. It's just great to go out and, and harvest an animal, but sitting around the dinner table, um, eating together and sharing stories, man. That's uh, that's what it's all about. There's a there's a reason that in indigenous cultures and in ancient cultures that the the person that was entrusted with all the stories was such a revered person in society because sto- stories are important. Stories are what make us. So yeah. Stories and memories, that's what it's all about. Traditions, stories, memories. Um, um, that uh, just to, one last thing that I'm super excited, just uh, just talking about the Lee and Tiffany, they're doing a, they're going to do a whole segment on uh, Tiffany like, wants me there from October, November. I'm like, Tiff, like, I, I would love that, but I got to make sure that I get home to hunt. And she's like, just on here, just on here. I'm like, well, no way. You're, you're in Iowa. And there's no chance I'm going to get an Iowa tag anytime in the next five years. And she's like, oh, yeah. Um, but you can hunt Missouri, which is like 10 minutes away. <laughs> so she's like, we, she, she's like, we want to do a whole thing uh, from, you know, harvest to butchering to, um, you know, to, to serving up the meal. So that's, uh, that's coming down the pike. So that's going to be a pretty, pretty cool thing. That's awesome. That is fantastic, man. It's, it's, it's really cool to see how things have gone for you since, since you and I've gotten to know each other over the last six or seven months, man. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for you, buddy. And, uh, I can't wait to see how this works. Yeah. Anything you need, you know, it. you call me anytime, man. I, I really appreciate your time here today and I'm a big fan of you too. So Well, I appreciate you, brother. So we'll uh, we'll jump on off this thing, and uh, like I said, we'll check in uh, about the end of November, first of December, and see see how it all goes. You got it. <laughs> all right, bud. We'll see. You. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. Bye. You've been listening to the Discomfort by Design podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a review, and we'll see you next time.